Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Vice Guide to Right Now, a daily rundown of all things Vice. It's Wednesday, February 7th. I'm Chris Hurdy. Today, we're highlighting the women of color leading the fight against the war on drugs. But first, the headlines. Donald Trump's lawyers have told him not to agree to an interview with special counsel Robert Mueller in the Russia investigation, in fear he could open himself up to charges of lying and place himself in legal jeopardy. But refusing an interview could set the stage for a prolonged court battle. Financial titans celebrated with world leaders in Davos last month as global markets soared. But just 10 days later, trillions of dollars have been wiped from the stock market in the sharpest fall on Wall Street since 2008. Economists are scrambling to explain the sudden dip. Some have pointed to the change in leadership at the Federal Reserve, while others suggest an overdue correction to the market. And Moscow was buried in snow over the weekend in the biggest snowfall in the capital on record ever. Over a month's worth of snow fell in just 36 hours. Russia is sending in soldiers to unearth the city. And now, here's the news you won't get anywhere else. Since 2016, the U.S. has witnessed the rise of women across many areas of politics, from massive marches against the Trump presidency to the Me Too movement against sexual harassment and violence. But more quietly, women have taken the lead on drug policy as well. And two of the most prominent groups devoted to reforming America's drug laws are now run by women of color. Here's Vices and Keita Rao speaking with reporter and author Maya Salovitz on what they're accomplishing and how they're doing it. We're here with Maya Salovitz. She is an author who reports frequently on drug policy and decriminalization. We're happy to have her on the podcast, and she's calling in remotely, so if she feels a little bit far away, just bear with us and tune in. Your article is focused on two organizations that are sort of the big-time players in drug policy, the Drug Policy Alliance and the Harm Reduction Coalition. Could you tell me a little bit about their impact? Sure. So the Drug Policy Alliance is the first major drug policy, drug reform organization to pick up the ball and start fighting against the war on drugs. I don't remember exactly when they were founded, but I remember going to a very early meeting of theirs sometime in the 90s. And for most of their history, they were headed by a guy named Ethan Nadelman, um, who retired uh, last year, I believe. And uh, for the first time, there is now a woman, a woman of color, who is heading the organization, Maria McFarland Sanchez Moreno. And these organizations are essentially positioned to try to drive our national drug policy in a certain direction. Why is it even more important for them to be led by women and women of color right now? Well, one of the things that is really interesting historically 
is that alcohol prohibition was both driven originally to be enacted by women and repeal was also driven by women. So I think that having women on side and understanding women's issues is really important to changing drug policy because typically drug policy is conducted in a way that has people screaming, but what about the children? And if women aren't involved in in that discussion, it often becomes, we're going to do terrible things to other people to protect children. And women can stand up and say, wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense. You're not protecting my children. In fact, it's my children that you're harming. And unfortunately, historically, and up till this day, the people who've been harmed most by the war on drugs are people of color. These women who you talk about in the article, they have personal connections with the war on drugs and drug policy. And Monique especially sort of talks about how her personal experience growing up with the father who used drugs has sort of informed the way she looks at it. What do their backgrounds bring to the table here? So Monique was raised in, I believe, Los Angeles in the 60s, and her dad was addicted to heroin. And she experienced a lot of chaos in her home related to that and related to the fact that as a black man, he was criminalized because of his heroin use. So she was really familiar with how addiction can be very harmful to family. And as she put it, it it took her a minute to figure out that it was the drug war that was really harming them not necessarily the drug itself or the addiction itself. Now, that's not to say that addiction and drugs cannot do harm, but prohibition does so much worse harm a lot of the time. Prohibition ends up harming families severely because the idea of it is that if we stigmatize drug use enough, nobody will take drugs. And that clearly has not worked. Um, People have taken drugs historically since before we even evolved into people. And there has never been a human culture that does not have drug use. So trying to stamp it out by prohibition is not very effective. What ends up happening is that people who use drugs get stigmatized and criminalized and thrown into jail or prison. And this does nothing to stop addiction, which is in fact defined by resistance to punishment because the actual definition of addiction is compulsive drug use that continues despite negative experiences. So punishment is exactly the opposite of what's going to work. So basically we just end up repeatedly harming people. And and that's what she saw. But it, it took her a while to figure out um, how to you know deal with it directly in her own life because when you are seeing somebody with addiction who is experiencing so much harm, you kind of just want to shake them and say, stop it already. Why are you doing this? And you're not understanding what's going on for that person themselves. And and when you care about that person, that's especially difficult. So I thought that was a really, really good point that she made. And then Maria, she has a completely different background. She grew up in Peru and then started working on drug issues around Colombia, which as we know has a very fraught history with their military and drug trade. How did that inform how she views drug policy in the U.S.? So yeah, her father was a diplomat and she 
grew up with sort of lively discussions around these kinds of issues. And, and she was inspired to become a human rights lawyer and got assigned to Columbia. When she got there, she saw that the United States wasn't stopping drug trafficking. It was merely picking sides over which drug traffickers to support in the name of stopping drug trafficking, because basically the armed guerrillas were using drugs to support their uprising. Meanwhile, the military and the paramilitaries that were associated with it were also selling drugs to finance their operations. And so if you picked a side, you would, no matter what side you were going to be on, you're going to end up being on the side of the drug dealers. I find that it's kind of an interesting balance that the two biggest drug policy organizations are led by women of color on the one hand, and on the other hand, we have somebody like President Trump mishandling or not necessarily investing in the opioid crisis. How do these two sides sort of weigh each other out? Well, I think what has been going on over the last 10 or 20 years in drug policy reform circles is an increasing understanding of how racism drives the war on drugs. And it is quite clear from President Trump's and from Attorney General Sessions' statements that they see this as a racial issue. And they, I'll just say right out, they enact racist policies and continue to um, use racist rhetoric in order to uh, sustain what they're doing, because particularly what Sessions is up to is cracking down on marijuana makes absolutely zero sense as a policy. We now have at least 12 studies that show that medical marijuana access decreases opioid use, decreases opioid overdose, decreases opioid addiction. And what does Sessions want to do? Crack down on marijuana use. What is the only thing you can achieve by cracking down on marijuana? Locking up a lot of people of color. So, you know, the drug war, as we know, it started with racism. Harry Anslinger used to go around making extremely racist arguments in order to support criminalization of marijuana. And the criminalization of other substances was also born in racism because basically nobody ever sat down rationally and said, okay, which recreational drugs are the least risky so that we can have them legal? Because you could never possibly pick tobacco or alcohol, if that were your criteria. The criteria were really, what substances do colonialists make money on? And alcohol and tobacco won there. So, you know, our our policies are irrational. And without looking at the role of racism, both historically and in the present, it's difficult to understand why they are what they are. And it's even more difficult to fight them. So having women of color in leadership positions who deeply and intimately understand this is really critical to fighting it because if if you don't have such leadership, you may not see some of the strategies that need to be taken. Do you see the appointment of these women as a sign of hope? It's so fascinating how prohibitions are enacted and how prohibitions are repealed. And to me, it was such a hopeful sign to see both of these powerful women get these positions because, you know, right now with Trump and et cetera, we are in in great danger of a real backlash in favor of harsh drug policy. And at least we have strong leadership who understands to fight that. To read Maya's full article, go to vice.com. That's it for now. 
Thanks for listening. For more news and culture, check out vice.com. And tune in again tomorrow for another Vice Guide to Right Now. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.